Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May the 3rd, and our chapter for today is the book of Ezra, chapter 6. What a tremendous book Ezra is. Ezra wrote both Ezra and Nehemiah. Of course, in the Hebrew canon, in the Hebrew Bible, it is just one book, Ezra and Nehemiah. And it tells the story of the return of the Jewish people after the exile in Babylon. As you know, beginning in 605 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, who had been raised up as the general under his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had come to power and he had defeated the Assyrians. Now he was going to make Jerusalem pay, and indeed that's what he did. In 605, he came through, took all of the blue bloods, all of the elite of the people of God in Jerusalem. That is when Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael were taken away. It was not just those four, but a lot more that were taken to Babylon. And because that's what the Babylonians did, unlike the Assyrians who would decimate a people, bring in people, take some away, mix them all up. The idea of the Babylonians were to take them to their city, make them slaves, make them a part of their kingdom so they could watch over them and to leave behind what we would call the scrubs, the off-scouring of humanity from their standpoint and would have someone to rule over them that they could get tribute from them. So all of that had taken place in 605 B.C., 597 B.C., 596 And then in 586, the beautiful temple that Solomon had built that had been the worship center since the days of Solomon was now destroyed. The people were in captivity for 70 years. They were without a worship center. That is from 586 to 70 years later in 516, there was no worship center in Jerusalem and the people were scattered throughout the Middle East, what we call the Middle East today. And so Ezra tells the story of that and the decree of Cyrus to go back to Jerusalem to build the temple, and all of the artifacts uh, were taken back that were readily available. Gold, silver was given by Cyrus, the king of Persia, to go back and to build the temple. So the people were excited, and so from the decree in 538 until 535, 50,000 Jews went back from Babylonian captivity, only 50,000, went back and began to lay the foundation of the temple in 535. Now think about it. It took three years for the people to get back, get settled, and for enough Jews there to have the workmen that were available to even begin the temple. So the work began in 535 B.C. Now in the meantime, while the people of Israel were getting settled, and the Jews were coming back home, and there was excitement about gathering the materials and getting ready to build this second temple. 
The people of the land were not so sure about that. And so after they could not join them and dilute them, they thought they would discourage them. And that's actually what they did. They took letters and sent to the king and said, a lot is going on back here in Jerusalem. These are rebellious people and they are building a temple and they're going to not pay tribute once they get established. And you know, this was a rebellious city. So sure enough, the archives were searched. And when the king searched the archives, they saw that Israel had been a great kingdom. And the implication was it could be a great kingdom again and rival even Persia. And so the work was stopped. And so after a year of laying the foundation in 534 B.C., the work was stopped. And it was stopped for 14 years. And the people, once the work was stopped, they just quit altogether with the Lord's work and began to build their own houses and began to build their own kingdom. And they, in essence, forgot about the kingdom of God. And so God sent two fiery prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. They began to call the people back to building the temple. Now, all of this you can read in chapter 3, chapter 4 of the book of Ezra. And when you come to chapter 5... The people at the preaching and teaching of Haggai and Zechariah, they began to build the temple again after 14 years of rest. And chapter 5 of Ezra says, Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophets prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, the son of Jehozadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Now, all of this took place in 520 B.C. And so immediately the governor who was over everything west of the Euphrates, Babylon was in Mesopotamia, the land between the rivers. Persia was even farther east than that, where modern-day Iran is, but they conquered all of Babylon and all of Mesopotamia, and the king had set governors that would rule over these far-flung areas that had been taken captive and were in exile and so forth, and so this governor wanted to stop the work. Well, the people didn't stop this time because the prophets of God were prophesying and telling the truth about this is the will of God. This is why you were brought back. Get to it. So they stopped and just refused to listen any longer to this governor and said, let's write a letter. So they wrote a letter. And in the letter, they said, Dear King Darius, if you would, please search the archives and see if indeed your predecessor, Cyrus, if he did not issue a decree, and we're just doing what we were not only given the authority to do, but we are doing what we were decreed to do, and we're following the king of Persia, we're following what he said to do. And sure enough, when they said that in the way that they did in chapter 5, they even in verse 12 owned up to their own responsibility for the captivity. 
It says that God had been good and had blessed the kingdom of Israel. It says in verse 12 of chapter 5, But because of our fathers and the fact that they provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed the temple and carried the people away to Babylon. And then they reminded Darius, king Darius, in verse 13 of what had happened. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to build this house of God and also to fund it. Well, sure enough, the king made a search. And it says in chapter 6, Then King Darius issued a decree, and a search was made in the archives. And sure enough, in the treasuries and the archives, Darius and all of his scribes found this writing and this decree. And so Darius sent back word to the governor and said, These people are accurate. They're correct. Cyrus, my predecessor and partner, is the one that issued this decree. And so I want you to not hinder these people whatsoever. As a matter of fact, verse 8 of chapter 6 says, moreover, (laughs) what that means is, besides that, this is what I want you to do. He decreed that they would not only not hinder the Jews, but that they would help the Jews and that all the taxes, all the taxes that would normally come to the treasury, I want you to give all of that to them. And a solemn warning was given in verse 11. Also, I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict, that is, if you don't do what I say to do, then here's what's going to happen. Let a timber be pulled from his house and be erected and let him be hanged. In other words, if you or anyone else messes with me, I'm going to tear your house down. I'm going to take one of the timbers. I'm going to hang it up and I'm going to hang you on it. And then I'm going to make your house to be nothing but a dump because of this. And so Darius laid down the law. And so in verse 13 of chapter 6 of Ezra, the scripture says that all of this was read in verse 14. So the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the preaching, the prophesying of Haggai and the prophet Zechariah, the son of Edo. And they built and finished it, that is the temple, according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and all the way down to Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Now the temple, it gives the date. Now the temple was finished on the third day of the month of Adar, which is the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Now this happened, the temple was dedicated in 516 B.C., The scripture says in verse 16 that they celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy, and they offered sacrifices at the dedication of the house, and they give all of the different offerings that were given, and then they celebrated Passover, 
and God gave them great joy. And the scripture says in verse 22, and they kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with joy. And here's the reason why. For the Lord, notice all capitals, the personal name of God, for the Lord made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, that is, the God of Israel. Now, what I want us to look at in these passages in Ezra is this. God uses people that are heathen. Many times that are people that are not the people of God. Cyrus, 200 years before by the prophet Isaiah was named and he was called the Mashiach, the Messiah, the anointed one. Why? Because God anointed him to do something and he turned his heart toward that. You say, wait just a minute. Now, Cyrus had Cyrus was a pawn of the living God. He was an instrument of the living God. He was a tool of the living God. God rules, but God also overrules. Now, this should give us great comfort. God is going to do what God said he was going to do. And no heathen king, no president, no prime minister, no premier, no one who is a totalitarian dictator is going to have the final say on this earth. God has the final say. I have often said to my colleagues that I worked with in Washington, D.C., many of whom were Jewish, when they would say to me, as would Palestinians that I do business with all the time, Arabs, many of them who were Jordanian citizens, and they're older now, and they are called Palestinians. In other words, both Jews and Arabs I talk with. And after we've gotten to know one another and after we've spent years together, they let down their guard and they will say, well, you know, you say that Yeshua is the Messiah and you say the Messiah is coming back. We say as Jews that he's coming. When he comes back, whose side is he going to take in this conflict? And I say the same thing every time when Messiah comes and he is coming back because he's already been here and he's coming again. And after the days of the great tribulation, the Bible says that his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives and he will judge the nations in the valley of Jehoshaphat, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, the place where God will judge. That's what that means, that God himself will judge. This is what Jesus was referring to when he talked about judging the nations. That doesn't mean millions of people are going to gather in the Kidron Valley or the Eastern Valley or the Valley of Jehoshaphat, whatever name you call it. All of those are scriptural names of that valley between the Mount of Olives and Jerusalem. Jesus said he will judge the nations there. I believe the leaders will be judged there because they represent the nations, whether we like it or not. And those nations will be judged according to how they treated God's people 
particularly and specifically Israel during the graze of the Thlipsis Megale, the great crushing, what we call the great tribulation. Now, the prophet Zechariah says Messiah's feet will touch down and he will rule. He will take over Jerusalem and he will rule the earth. And Isaiah gives that in great detail in living color. And so I say to them, based upon those scriptures, when Messiah comes, he's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. Why? Because he's sovereign. God is sovereign. Beloved, male or female, man or woman, son or daughter, please hear me. Take comfort. God knows what's going on. And God has the final say. Rest in that. Don't worry. Don't fret. God will have the ultimate say. He sees it all. He knows it all. After all, he is God. And we know him in a personal way through Jesus, our Lord. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.